renewal. The full restoration of your mind and my mind. The full restoration of your heart and my heart. The full restoration of your deeds and my deeds. Of your words and my words. My mic just started sounding really funny, didn't it? Did it just get louder? Okay. You had me muted? That's so rude. And obviously, I, I need this microphone. All right, but will you bring it down just a little bit? Because now it's just like hot, like a tamale. You really will. So I'm going to start over because I was muted. (laughs) We're in process, but there is a day coming. And Advent, Advent is the season for us to remember that, that hope and that promise and to cling to it. Today, I invite you to the book of Zephaniah, another prophet. Zephaniah was a prophet during the during the years that Josiah was king. Josiah was one of the last kings of Judah before um, the Babylonian exile and before the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem. And Josiah uh, he was this he reigned for 55 years and he was a king who Um, led great reforms and repentance. And uh, you had people like Zephaniah prophesying during his day, others like Jeremiah um, towards the end of his reign, uh, Jeremiah prophesied. In Zephaniah's uh, three chapters and... um, and, you know, I, I would say that Zephaniah, this is probably a summary of Zephaniah's prophecy, if you will, right? Uh, I, I, I imagine a, a prophet who was uh, prophesying all throughout the life of, of this king who was there for 55 years, um, that he, he probably had a little bit more content than three chapters. But this is kind of the summary, and the summary is this, is, is that the day of the Lord is coming, and for, uh, for, for the people in his day, what, what the day of the Lord uh, was, was a time of judgment against God's covenant people for their part in breaking the covenant. And, uh, and, and he never mentions, in chapter number one, he never mentions um, uh, Babylon exclusively, but we who know history know that that's who he's talking about. But what he does, in fact, is he says it's not, it's not, it's not Babylon who's coming. He says, uh, the Lord is warring against you. 
And that's the image of uh, throughout the throughout the, the, the book that you, you get is that the, there's a day of the Lord and, and it's the Lord who is coming and he has, he's bringing justice and uprooting the wickedness, the violence, the hatred, the hostility, the oppression, the exploitation, the greed, the covetousness, the immorality. Chapter 1 says it's coming against Jerusalem. Chapter 2 reveals that um, it's also going to uh, the nations around Jerusalem. That, that they're, they're under God's just rule and he's bringing justice. And the first... Several verses of chapter 3 continue this way. And it turns back to Jerusalem exclusively. And then, you would almost miss it. But the text turns. And the remainder of chapter 3 is hope. And it was that hope that first was given to Jerusalem and to its citizens. About that return from exile. But it really, it becomes a larger, more eschatological hope. I'm going to begin reading verse number six. I might read this in a couple different translations, but uh, I'll begin with the King's English, King James Version here. Zephaniah chapter three, verse number six, it says, I have cut off the nations. The ta their towers are desolate. I made their streets waste that none passeth by. Their cities are destroyed so that there is no man. That there is no inhabitant. Uh, one of the things that Zephaniah does throughout his prophecy is, uh, and it starts out in chapter number one, it's kind of like the God of all creation, he reverses the created order. From, from creation being put together and, 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 and this, this, this barren wasteland being given order and life, it is, it's undone, the undoing, if you will. This is one of those pictures. Here's what the Lord says. I did all this, and I said, Surely thou wilt fear me, thou wilt receive instruction, so their dwelling should not be cut, out, cut off. Howsoever I punish them, but they rose early and corrupted all their doings. I, I did this. I've, I've undone everything so that you would fear me. But whatever I did was not enough. What 
whatsoever I did, or that great word, howsoever, that we always use. But they rose up early and corrupted all their doings. Let's just sit in that for a minute. People say, where's God? Why isn't God doing anything? Why is he not working? And before we start looking out, let's ask within. Have you been corrected? Have you received that conviction from the Lord that says you're going the wrong direction? And him shepherding and guiding you to the right path? And have you gotten back off the path? That's God working. And that is us continuing to corrupt our doings. And if it's true for me, guess what? It's true for world leaders. It's true for the bullies on the playground. It's true for all of us. So yeah, God is working. But we are wily and rebellious. And the things that we don't want to do, we do. And the things that we want to do, we don't do. Because there's this power, this force that is warring in us. Verse number eight. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. Wait for me until I come like a lion. That sounds good. Let's, let's wait for him until he rises up for the prey before he begins to hunt. Okay, let's wait for him. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger. Wait for me, guys. Just wait for me. If you paid attention to Zephaniah, 
Israel got swept right up there with the nations. So nobody reading this in Israel is just saying that this is going to the other nations. He's saying, wait for me, because I'm going to gather all the nations, including Israel. All the nations are going to be gathered so that I can pour out my fierce indignation. Just hold on just a little bit longer, guys. Can y'all not wait? For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. That sounds miserable. And this has been the tone and tenor of the prophet since verse number one. And if you if you're reading along, you hear all that, the next verse will completely knock you off your feet. All this will happen, for then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia my suppliants even the daughter of my dispersed shall bring my offering I'm going to gather everybody together This fire is not a fire of hatred. It's a purifying fire of love. Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom of God. Who can even understand how He works? How He operates? He doesn't need counsel from you or I. He does this work that you might think seems like hell. But his goal is restoration, renewal. We are living in that time. In that day. Where corruption and hatred and violence and oppression and exploitation and desperation and hopelessness. And fear 
and anxiety and greed and covetousness and idolatry. Continue. And sometimes to deal with it, we just need a Hallmark movie so that we don't have to think about the bad things. Or sometimes to deal with it, we, we, we put lipstick and rouge on the bad things. Well, I mean, I know it was terrible, but, but, but something good came about it. We deny the evil is the evil. And we might do this because we're trying to hold on. We're trying to hold on to this to this this belief this hope, this trust that God really does love us. But you and I don't need sentimentality or denial to hold on. You and I just need to hear God speak to us and say all this that's happening, all this that you're enduring, all of this will one day be consumed. Fully with my love. And for us who trust in Jesus, we can hope in this word, this promise because in Jesus we see all of the indignation and anger upon him. He bears it. He takes it to the cross. He lays it to death. And he comes out the other side. And what he's given us is his spirit. The spirit returns us to a pure language, if you will. The Spirit leads us to serve the Lord with consent. The Spirit unites us, whether we are from different classes, different ethnical backgrounds, different countries. Whether our country hates their country, we love them. Whether they hate our country, we love them. Whether they try to exploit our country, we love them. We are the ones 
Christians the world over who who are being led by God in fulfillment of his promise. In that day, Verse 11, thou shalt not be ashamed for all thy doings, wherein thou hast transgressed against me. For then I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride. And thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. I will also leave in the midst of thee unafflicted and poor people and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies. Neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. People will do good and right. You will take care of one another. You will love one another. That is the hope that is coming. But you and I, recipients of the Spirit, we live in, in we live in that hope today. We do good. We love. Now, if you go, well, how do you know that I do that? Maybe you don't. <laughs> Let the Spirit correct you. But that is what we are to be doing. And this gives people peace so that even the afflicted and the poor who are always in our midst, they can lie down in peace. I love these next verses. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Before we get on to why uh, this is said, let me encourage you with this. Sentimentalizing things doesn't make you sing with all your heart. Denying the bad, the wicked, the evil that is in this world or that is in yourself does not allow one to sing with all their heart. What allows us to sing with all our heart is receiving from the Lord the word. All of this is happening but it will be consumed in my love. I will restore. I will make all things new. And we have a, we have a fulfillment of these things 
in the life of Jesus so that our hope and our assurance is even more sure, as Peter would say. A more sure word of prophecy do we have. And because God has spoken it, and because God has revealed it in Jesus, you and I can sing with all of our hearts. You and I can hold on to the hope that God loves us and that He is just in this world that is filled with hate and injustice. We don't just get to sing it. We get to sing it with our whole heart. It's not just lip service where our hearts are far from Him. Verse 15. Sing. Why sing? Well, we've already given you some good news, but here's some more good news. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment. He hath cast out thy enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. The king is here. He's dwelling with you. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. And that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, and to Zion, let not thy hands be slack. That's a word image for um, somebody who is uh, powerless. Don't let your hands fail with power. Do not let your hands be slack. It says you have no reason to be afraid and you are endued with power. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. The warrior at the beginning who seemed to be warring against you is now in your midst and he is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. This is what is incomprehensible. The things that you and I do to hurt and to harm one another, God hates. It's vile to him. It's repugnant. It's distressing to God and it's deeply disheartening to God. It's just like whenever you see your child hit your other child. With cruelness. And hatred in their heart. And you love your child. But you cannot tolerate what they just did. And you can't, you, you, you can't for the sake of the other child act like it's okay either. You are in a straight betwixt. God is the ultimate parent of the scenario. And he doesn't just have three, four, five, six kids. He has billions of children who are doing this each and every day. And you and I think, oh man, we just think objectively about it. He should just get rid of us all or get rid of all the evil ones. And when we think objectively, you're not as evil as that person. So what I mean is whenever he gets rid of the evil is get rid of those. But the reality is, 
is the line of evil runs down each and every one of us. And we can't look at it objectively. We have to look at it like a parent because God is the cosmic parent. And as the cosmic parent, he looks down and he's like, oh, that breaks my heart and that enrages me. And trust me, as a parent, I know what it's like to have my heart broken by my children and to have my heart enraged by my children. I mean, sometimes I want to sternum punch my boys so hard for the stuff that they do. And I think, man, a sternum punch would do you good. And guess what? Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Just joking. I don't sternum punch my kids, y'all. But there are times when I just like, yep, that would be good. Just like a real quick walking by his arrogance, cockiness, just knock him to the ground. I'm more powerful than you. But guess what? That's how the kings of this world do it, don't they? Hmm. But not the king of kings. That's why God and his love in his love, sends his son, Jesus. And that's why Jesus, in his love, says, stop doing it to one another, just do it to me. Give me all your hatred. Give me all your hostility. See, as Christians, I think sometimes we, we fail to trust this, that Jesus can bear it, that God can bear it. I talk about this all the time in prayer, and it's one of the chief things that I encourage people with prayer is just to be honest with God. Don't sentimentalize your prayers. Oh, dear God. Nothing that I'm saying in my lips do I believe in my heart or has been running through my head, but I think this is what you want. You want a sweet little prayer from your sweet little boy. Or you want an old English prayer. Oh, thou art father. Right? Have y'all heard those old English prayers? If you grew up in the KJV loving church like I did, it was like people prayed in the King James Version. And and I'm not knocking it. It's just fun. (laughs) But I will say this. God can take street language. He can bear it. And in fact, what we learn and what we should learn as Christians is he can bear it and my wife can't. My wife can't bear my venting all the time. That, that makes her insecure. She thinks, oh, no, no, no. If, if he can't handle this situation, what's going to happen with our family? And, and the same thing with me. If she's, she's not steady and stable and she's venting about something, that, that, that makes me insecure. And that gives me some anxiety. And, and then guess what happens to the kids? The, the terrors that they are, are are sevenfold more. So God has not only said, in Jesus, do I bear the sins? And we go, thanks, God, for doing that. God says, I will bear everything that you need me to bear today. Cast all your cares upon me. I care for you. Why don't you trust this? 
but we sentimentalize our prayers or we go to God with these prayers that deny any of the hell that we're facing or any of the hell that we're doing. Maybe if I don't talk about it, God won't know that I did it. Maybe if I just generalize it, God, if I've done anything to offend anybody today, just... Oh, I mean, God, whenever I said that to my wife, I offended her. <laughs> Please forgive me. God, whenever I, or, or, or justify and excuse it, you know, like parents, we can do this too. Like, oh man, my kids, sometimes I just have to be humble with my kids and say, hey, you did wrong, but I overreacted. And I did not look like Jesus and act like Jesus whenever I punished you. I acted like Macaulay, and Macaulay's a jerk whenever he punishes people. And he's not patient. But what we can't comprehend so much, we could easily comprehend a lot of times that God should be angry with us. What we can't comprehend What's so hard and what has to be reiterated and drilled into us and drilled into us and drilled into us. And what you and I have to cling to is that God actually loves us and delights in us. Despite who we are, despite what we've done. Despite all the reason for his indignation and his anger. I love you. He sings over us. You're God in the midst of the... He's mighty to save. He's a warrior ready to save. But guess what this warrior is doing? He's holding like a baby on his lap. And he's like, I just... Ooh. And that's not sentiment. That's love. That was me holding Walker yesterday. And just... I'm just struck by him. And I'm just... Oh my goodness. You, you sweet, precious baby. You're going to grow up to be a terror, but you are a sweet, precious baby. And he will because he comes from a rowdy bunch. But your God rejoices over you in song. His love is not sentiment. His love is true. It's unbreakable. It's an unbearable kind of love. It's unrelenting. Oh, the never-ending, reckless love of God. Sometimes whenever I'm proud, it has to fight me, to humble me. When I'm obstinate, it has to break down the walls. But that love will never stop for me. 
That love will never stop for this world. Because God loves us, we have hope. And you and I have the ancient prophets who are telling the people, despite who you are, God loves you. And we have in the person of Jesus. While you were yet sinners, despite who you are, Christ died for you. <coughs> One commenter has said that this portion of Zephaniah, chapter 3, is the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It's this declaration of God's love and how he shows his love by sending his son so that whosoever trusts in his son should not perish but have everlasting life. You and I get to be living witnesses of this love. And just like Paul said of himself, hey, I must be, and Paul, and Paul meant this, and what we read in 1 Timothy today, what Paul was saying, he said, hey, listen, um, Christ died for me, showed his love for me, his mercy for me, and he did it for me, Paul would say, that he could show his long suffering, his patience with people. And why Paul could say that was because Paul, before he knew Jesus, before he trusted in Jesus, before Jesus was his King of Kings and Lord of Lords, before that, Paul hated Jesus. And he fought against Jesus' way and Jesus' people. And Paul said, if he could save me, that's a testimony to everybody that God wants to rescue everyone. And you and I, who've experienced the grace of God in our own lives, we, we share similar sentiment with Paul. If God was patient with me, he'll be patient with anybody. So you and I, you and I are the people who must cling to the reality that God loves us and that God is just. And we must live in that hope. And you and I get to become the adequate testimonies because you are not perfect and I am not perfect. You will fail 500 times this next week. And you will fail at things that you've failed at a million times. And what you have at the end of the day or at the end of those days of failures is this. God forgive me. And the sure word that says, because he is just, he will forgive you. But you and I, in our brokenness and our part, partnership with the rebellion of this world, we get to become the living witnesses that, yes, God hates all the evil that we do. 
and he wants to eradicate all the evil of this world. But guess what? God really actually also loves us. And I'm prime suspect number one. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. And that's just because I'm a human. And in my humanness and in my sinfulness, I fall short and I hurt people. I lie to people and I cheat people and I steal. So my brothers and my sisters. Hold on. With all your heart. Because God sings over you. And if you ever go, well, when did God ever sing over me? Remember what Jesus said in his prayer. Oh, God, I thank you. I'll read it because I'm going to botch it if not. <laughs> I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seems good in thy, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. Thank you for these precious babes. Jesus delights in you. Because he loves you. He loves you like a father loves a son. A mother, a child. And though he hates the evil and injustice that is in this world and that you do, he has promised one day I'll eradicate that. I'll consume that in the fire of my love. And until that day, until that day, know this. I love you so much. I love you so much. And I'm never going to give up on you. With that, I say amen. Will you bow with me in prayer? I'm just going to give you some time to talk to God about what God's talking to you about. If you need somebody to pray with, I will be here at the front. Maybe you could grab a brother or sister and you can pray with them. Maybe you just need to be there by yourself. Maybe you want to pray with your spouse. Lord, be with our time and be with my brothers, my sisters, myself. Uh, attend to us in this moment.